Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And a good Monday morning, football fans. How are you? How was your weekend? Oh, good. You got your Mac and Mac guys. Get your Monday off right. Another off-season football week. Jay Mac, what are your plans for the week? Uh, do a little birds 365. I kind of grind into the draft. You know, I mentioned that last week behind. Got to catch up there. Try to figure out this is probably the most important draft in a long time for your Philadelphia Eagles. So, you know, it's not often you come into that with three first round picks. So got to start really honing down on that. And obviously free agency, it never stops. And the NFL never stops making news and now everybody's going to boycott the combine. Oh, so I was going to uh, say we got a pretty big draft story yeah. today that we're going to get to in just a second. Uh, but I want to start with this. Um, uh, Ruben Frank, uh, one of the, your compatriots, covers the birds day in and day out for NBC Sports. Philly does his uh, uh, ten observations on the Eagles column that gets posted Sunday night, Monday morning, uh, every week. Have you read Ruben's column yet? I have not. But okay, I that's good. Because right. this was in Ruben's column and I'm going to run it by you. It's a trivia question. This year, Devontae Adams, Eagles number one draft pick, started all 16 games. Uh, Landon Dickerson, the Eagles second round draft pick, ended up starting 12 games. He didn't start at the beginning of the season, injury early, boom, throw him in, ends up starting 12 of the 17 games. Did I say Devonta started 16? What uh, yeah, it would be. Uh, I think he started them all, didn't he? Yeah, yeah he was I, in the... I uh, swear I, I read in Rube's column that he started 16 of 17. Plus he started the playoff game, so add that into it as well. Okay, yeah, I'm just talking about regular season, but was there a game that he didn't start? Did they go four tight ends? I'm trying to think about Dallas, uh, I, I believe... But I'm not sure. And you're right. They might have started the game here and there um, with, you know, 13 personnel or something. Yeah, I, Remember I, that I weird week they used uh, Jalen Rager and 13 personnel and everybody was losing their mind uh, because Demonte Smith wasn't out there and right. Jalen Rager was. So there's always little intricate uh, and, you know, starting games and especially in the modern nfl is kind of a bit overblown it's, it's do you play a lot <laughs> that's that's the that's big game. the most important thing exactly right but in uh, rube's comp today i think it said i'm pretty sure it said 16 um and landon dickerson was 12 starts um would you like to take a guess john mcmullen the last time that the philadelphia eagles first round draft pick and second round draft pick in their rookie seasons started at least 12 games that year for the Philadelphia Eagles. <laughs> um, oof, it's got to be a long time. Uh, I don't uh, you know. You, you never know. It's a completely with Ruben. unfair question. Yeah, I am Ruben, absolutely Ruben might go back to the 1950s, so I'm not going to go back that far. It's not the 1950s, no. I'm trying to think of who played a lot. 
and I'm trying to think. I'm thinking corners. Mm, you know, you have be thinking, the... be thinking one offense, one defense. Oh, okay, that screws me. Or I was thinking. Corner, I was, defense, I, I was thinking. Offense. I know Eric Allen from talking to Damo. He he played a lot. Uh, Earl from early from the get go. I can't even remember who the other one would be that year. That right, would be. I'm, that I'm would going probably to give be... you a gigantic hint. Uh, the first thing we talked about today was the combine, as well. We should because it is right around the corner, and there are going to be major implications. When you think combine, what Philadelphia Eagle draftee first comes to mind? Oh, uh, uh. The the first combine warrior, Mike Mamula. Mike Mamula is correct. Who started thirteen games for the Philadelphia Eagles? That would that be uh, uh, that would be uh, Barrett's year. Barrett Brooks would be the other who started twelve games as a second round draft pick in his rookie season, and that's why I brought that up because coming up in about oh fifteen minutes or so, we're going to be joined by G Cobb, ex Philadelphia Eagle, of course. Uh, and then a little later on in the show, we'll be joined by the aforementioned Mr. Barrett Brooks, who, of course, you see here every day on the middle here on uh, the Jacob Media YouTube channel and also on NBC Sports Philly. So I tied NBC Sports Philly's Ruben with Barrett, Barrett in with us, Barrett in with G. Cobb, the author. It's, it's just amazing done, how... Jerry. There's so much incest going on here in this media yeah. game with the Philadelphia Eagles that we have to note. Uh, I just thought it was absolutely hysterical that Ruben had this fun stat, and sure enough, Barrett Brooks was tied into it. P.S., by the way, if we ask Barrett about it when he comes on an hour and change from now, I guarantee he's got no idea. No. He, he will not go no. to me and Mike Mamula. He'll think no. about it the same way you just did. Oh, who are the players? No, he... Go right over yeah. his as as it went over yours, and it would have gone over mine if I had not read yeah. Ruben's column. Oh, and I can tell morning. you, players players do not care about stuff like that. Uh, no. So they'll be going, yeah, they'll they'll uh, again, especially and more so back then. I think it was more important because you know less guys played, there wasn't as much rotation, uh, so it was important if you started games back then. Now it's become you know, such a rotational game at certain positions, especially. Now, there's some that is an offensive lineman generally play the whole game. Obviously, quarterback plays the whole game. Uh, but especially defensively, there's so much mixing and matching. You know, the key isn't did you start. The key is um, did you play a lot. Right. And so in baseball, they said – in basketball, they say, you know, it's not who starts, it's who finishes – in football, it's not who starts, it's who plays a lot. That's that's the key part. The thing that I remember most about being misguided by who starts, uh, turn back, talk about turning back the clock much more before Barrett Brooks and Mike Mamula, way back when the Philadelphia 76ers used to start Kurt Rambis and bring Bobby Jones off the bench. And Mark Bobby, Iberoni, you're talking about. Uh, what did I say? Kurt Rambis? Kurt Rambis, yeah. I met Mark Iberoni. It's like a Mark, poor man's Kurt Rambis. <laughs> uh, ba ba basically, very, two very similar players. Yeah. Uh, who cares who starts? Yeah. It's who's Bob, on the floor. Bobby the Jones is in the Hall minutes. of Fame, and Mark Iberoni's. And you mean guy. Mark Iberoni hasn't been uh, made it to Springfield just yet? Not, not Damn, yet. how did that not happen? He used to start for the 76ers. Thank you for making my point, John McMullen. I appreciate it greatly. All right, uh, we kind of touched on this in the open. 
the combine is scheduled to start a week from tomorrow. We're eight days away from the combine. <clears throat> and there's a real good chance that they're not going to have quite as many people at the combine as they thought they were, invited over 300 players. And a report came out either last night or early this morning when I went to bed last night. I hadn't yet seen it, uh, but I was kind of paying attention to the all-star game, LeBron James making that last shot to win it. Though, by the way, Joel Embiid played pretty damn good Sixers fans. Um, but I did not see this last night, but I was on the air till 10 o'clock, so I would have seen it. So it had to be either late night or first thing this morning. I'd previously seen the story about the NFLPA suggesting through agents that the players invited to the combine say, thank you, no. That they didn't like the way the NFL, they haven't liked for years, the way the NFL goes about doing its business with potential draft uh, players uh, this year specifically because they're tightening up restrictions and they're trying, I think, to be COVID protective even though COVID seems to be less and less and less of an issue with every passing day in this country, the NFL still wants to be overly cautious, fall on the side of caution and have restrictions in place for the upcoming gathering in Indianapolis. Well, apparently some of the agents have won out with their players that 155 players out of 324, as of right now, are suggesting they're going to boycott <clears throat> the combine that they're not going to show that they think the NFL has done a bad job of what they've laid out as to expect what's expected of these players. I, I was ready to come on here on uh, birds 365 and say, really, you're going for a job interview and you go, nah, never mind. Give me the job anyway, but I don't really want to go through the marching orders and you guys want to put out there ahead of time before I take my, uh -huh. my, my uh, job and my place in your league understood there are different level of prospects. Uh, superstar players are going to be able to dictate terms even before they get in the league. Uh, but not everybody is a guaranteed first round pick. If you're not, if you're not a guaranteed day three pick, if you're fighting for a job, how do you turn down the opportunity to impress your future employers in the national football league? John, I'm being honest with you. This, this, story kind of takes me by surprise. I didn't think the players had the wherewithal. I didn't think the agents had the wherewithal to try and pull something like this off, but we could get a really watered down combine eight days from now. Yeah, we could, and we'll see how it shakes out. Uh, you know, it is, I, I, I hear what you're saying, but I see both sides of this fence, uh, you know, because I don't know what the NFL is trying to accomplish. And by the way, the NFL technically doesn't even run the combine. It's something called national scouting or, or whatever. But obviously, they're heavily involved and direct everything in the way they want it to go. Um, but it's weird. You know, it's good we had Chris Landry on the show last week because Chris used to run the combine. He used to be the guy who ran it. And, you know, you heard some of the things. It's become very antiseptic over the years. In other words, you know, you mentioned 100, it's 155 players for 13 agencies. Number one, that's 13 scouts. You know, if you want to become an agent in the NFL, yeah, it's a tough game, especially now because all the big ones get all the players. So it's basically 13 scouting agencies, 13 agencies, excuse me, uh, that represent players. They're saying, this is nonsense. We don't want to be involved with this. And essentially, they're pulling their players out for now. Ultimately, I think it'll get 
figured out in the in in the coming days, but we'll see how it shakes out. I do like you say that the NFL is trying to be uh, safe because of the pandemic. I don't think it has anything to do with that, Jody. I really. Oh, but don't. they're they're bailing it. They're cloaking yeah. it. In, and, 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 and that's it. And that's a good word, bailing. I think, and this is why I brought up Chris because they they have this weird. This is. Like everybody else is worried about numbers and 40 times, and they don't care about that. They know already what these guys are going to be. They know in what area. Now, granted, if you crap the bed at a certain uh, 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 drill, maybe it can hurt you. If you turn into a Mike Mamula, as we just brought up, maybe it can help you a little bit. But ultimately, they know what they're looking for and where these players are going to fit in. Plus you have the pro days coming later and you can uh, make up things at that point. Um, They want to put these guys in uncomfortable positions to see how they handle it from a psychological standpoint. That's what they're doing. In other words, you know, it, 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 we always talk about love and ball and, 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 and Chris has mentioned last week, how everybody gets prepared now. You know, back in the old days, when Deion Sanders showed up, okay, he wasn't training for a month and a half uh, like an Olympic sprinter to make sure his 40 time was as perfect it could possibly be, peaking at the right time like he's in Beijing for the Olympics. Um, That's not what he was doing. He was showing up, and he was running like the wind, and you know, okay, that guy's fast. Now – you have this cottage industry that prepares these players, not only on the field like that, but off the field. And they tell them, they're, they're going to ask you this. They're going to ask you this. They're going to say this. You say this. And everything becomes very, as I said, antiseptic, and you don't gather a lot of information. So I think they're trying to put them in difficult positions where they don't have their people around them. They're in a bubble. They're by themselves. They don't have that crutch to lean on. How do they handle it? And I think the, the NFL teams think they'll find out more about young kids and young players and things like that. I think that's what's going on. But the toothpaste is out of the tube, man. You're the one who made this into a television event. Mm-hmm. You're the one who made this into a money-making event. It used to be behind the scenes and much more relaxed and now like everything else, the NFL and understand they want to make money, whatever, but this is the unintended consequence of that. It becomes that structured. You don't get to gain as much information and now you got to do it in different ways. And they're trying to figure out these finagle, these ways ultimately because it's become that money-making vehicle. I think they'll just go forward. They'll come to a, um, detente, so to speak, and and everything will get pulled off, and they won't get the information they want, and they'll have to go about it in different ways. But they created this monster. At least as per the story I read, and I think it was Florio on, on Pro Football Talk, uh, that at least what the agents are saying is their biggest concern, their biggest grievance is 
the fact that the teams poke and prod and do hands-on examinations of these players on a physical level, that they, they want their doctor to take a look at a kid and be able to put them through whatever uh, medical paces they have in these somewhat shortened time, but at times to be able to look at a kid, that they just think that's wrong, that a player shouldn't be subjected to being examined by all these different team physicians because, you know, some of the players are coming in with injuries that they've had prior to, and not that they're trying to conceal something, but they also don't want to just open up their uh, raincoat. Yeah, go ahead, uh, check, poke, prod, wherever you need to. That that seems to be a major bone of contention. Uh, you think they're going to be able to get all this worked out? It seems to me like <clears throat> with a week out and almost half the combine threatening to not show up, that that have to be a pretty quick negotiation, a pretty quick about-face by the NFL to get all the agents to just sign off. Okay, we'll show, we'll come. Well, Well, remember, Jody, it's not a lot of people because you're thinking about 155. It's really 13. It's really the 13 agencies pulling all their players out. So that's the power base you're you're dealing with. And those are are the people that are going to have to come uh, to, to, uh, uh, you know, a point to where they can both move forward. And you're right. They both spin it in a different way. The league spins it as they want safety because of the pandemic. Uh, the, the, the agents spin it as we don't want guys getting poked and prodded by 32 different teams. And the reality is they're both lying. And, and the NFL wants to get this information on these kids and the agents want to be there next to them uh, to make sure that things are strictly uh, in the favor of their potential client. That's what it's about. It, all, all the other stuff is, is, is accusations. It's, it's power. It's NFL versus agents. Agents want to control it. NFL wants more information. That's, that's what they're arguing about. And here's one thing that I will absolutely go on record as stating because the NFL, like most major corporations, remember most what happened most recently. Uh, two years ago, uh, combine wise, um, Michael Parsons participated, but he hadn't played the year before he sat out. He took a COVID year off. Some people would suggest he dropped a little bit in the draft that he could have been a top five pick ended up goes to, uh, the Cowboys in a pick that at one time was the Philadelphia Eagles pick that they traded, uh, up from to get Devontae Smith. But the NFL and the Dallas Cowboys, and I know it only takes one, so give the Cowboys credit, didn't get off Micah Parsons because he refused to play his senior year, his junior year. Said, nah, I'll stay home. I'm going to protect myself. They evaluated what they had seen him on the field previously, and the Cowboys used a first-round pick on it. And I would suggest that it paid some dividends in year number one because he was the rookie defensive player of the year and in the running for the overall defense player of the year. So if the NFL starts to go down the road of, hey, if these guys don't want to sh- uh, show up for the combine, we don't know what it's going to do to their draft status. Believe me when I tell you, the majority of them will not have their draft status besmirched. NFL teams are going to pick what they believe, what they've already evaluated, what they've seen on tape from their collegiate careers. Nobody's going to hold a grudge. It's, oh, well, the hell with them if they didn't show up for the combine. <laughs> Baloney. If they like the player, they will draft the player. So uh, if the NFL starts to leak stories about how uh, downside a player could be facing if he decides to boycott the combine, 
don't believe a word that you read on your hear. All right, uh, Jody McDonald, John McMullen here with you. Let's talk to a guy. Now, I know it was a while ago, but I think G. Cobb actually went to a combine. He played back in the Stone Age. They had the combine when G. Cobb was a player. Didn't they, J-Mac? I don't think they did. We'll have to get that from G. Cobb. All right, we'll get that from G. Cobb. I know he's 126 years old. I know, because I'm 127. <laughs> so uh, you, me, and G, not exactly spring chickens. We'll talk to him next. Gary Cobb joins us here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Mega Mac guys, here we go on Bird 365. Appreciate your streaming on in. And we appreciate our first guest of the day for doing just that. You'll recognize that face, ex-Philadelphia Eagle, member of the media here in town for years, contributing still for Fox 5 these days on the tube. Gary Cobb joins us here on Birds 365. How you being, G. Cobb? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. You know, I had a great time, boy. I, I went to the Super Bowl, man. I tell you, that weather out there, whew, 80 degrees all week. And, you know, uh, of course, I'm out there listening, hearing everybody chirping. And everybody's chirping about quarterbacks. 
quarterback, yeah. quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. So uh, it clearly uh, it, it, such a statement was made during those playoffs by the quarterbacks. And then, you know, I'm out there and I see Josh Allen walk through there. What in the world? <laughs> what? You know, you just look some of these kids now. Plus, you know, just all the guys in the league. I mean, these kids are getting so big. You know, because I haven't been around the guys as much yeah. you know, because of this COVID stuff. Because, you know, you usually go down, I get a chance to meet guys, especially all the Eagle players. You know, I, I've known all the guys like, uh, you know, year after year, you meet the guys, you get a chance to talk to them. And, of course, uh, <laughs> once you kind of develop a relationship with a kid, he knows you're not trying to hurt him, you're trying to help him. You know, a kid will talk to you about stuff. So I get a chance to talk to the guys and see, you know, kind of try to help them. You know, if I can do anything to help a kid, something I see he's doing that I could tell him that, you know, might be able to help him with some way, you know, and you get to know him a little bit. And so through, you know, so when I go to the Super Bowl, I, you know, you see a former Eagles players and all the guys, you know, you just laugh and things and, you know, it, it's a good time because uh, it's kind of like a reunion every year. You see all the guys and uh, you can sit down and talk and, then, of course, everybody starts talking football and what's happening. And, of course, people are talking about the quarterbacks. You know, it's it's a quarterback league. It's quarterback driven. Uh, the quarterbacks are the teams that win. Quarterback, quarterback. Quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. You know, it's interesting, Gary, because you bring up seeing Josh Allen. I'll never forget the first time I saw Dante Culpepper, who was about – Six five, two sixty, and I said, "That's a quarterback." I, he was bigger than every stinking linebacker on the field, <clears throat> and you know, from that point forward, and that was basically the same year as Donovan. Yeah. Um, you've seen sort of a shift in in the NFL, and some of these guys are just you're right, and so we'll start it there since you brought it up. Uh, the quarterback in the Philadelphia Eagles, you know, Howie Roseman and, and, and Nick Sirianni, you know, were, were very, uh, I don't want to say uh, validating, but they said, you know, Jalen Hurts is our guy. Uh, of course, what do you expect him to say? They're not under oath, I always say. So mm -hmm. from my perspective, this team will try to get better at the quarterback position. And if they can't, they're happy to go forward with Jalen Hurts. Is that kind of how you see things unfolding this offseason? Uh, yes, that's kind of the way I see it. And, and I think one thing that really needs to be stressed uh, about Jalen Hurts is the fact that, see, he's been in this situation before. He's been, you know, where you're in the spotlight and everybody's talking about the quarterback position. But he's the kind of kid that will go and keep working, getting better, He's not awed by the situation. He's not going to fall apart like maybe Carson Wentz would or did. He can take the pressure because here in Philadelphia, you know, it's a little different. Some guys haven't been in the kind of heat because in Philadelphia, people say what they think. They don't think about it and say, <laughs> oh, we shouldn't say that because that might hurt somebody's feelings. No. It's sad. So you got to have some tough skin. This kid has tough skin. They can be looking for a quarterback, but that's not going to stop him from playing and trying to get better and everything. And I think it's good that you got a kid that can take this environment. I think, in fact, that's one thing that you should consider when you think about 
who's going to come here to play quarterback? Because I've seen some very good quarterbacks. They really were bothered by the atmosphere in Philadelphia because it would get hot. You, you're going to get criticized. You know, uh, Donovan wasn't affected like Carson Wentz, but Donovan didn't like it, you know. Um, Randall Cunningham didn't like it. I, how do I know? Because they said it. <laughs> they, because it gets hot here, and the quarterback position is a focus. And so you need to have somebody here that can take that heat and still play. And so the one thing about Jalen is he can deal with that. So they can be looking around for a quarterback, uh, you know, and I think they, you know, you want to do it so loudly, openly and everything, but this kid can take the heat and you got to be able to take the heat. If you're going to play sports here in Philadelphia and, you know, Jalen can deal with that. And I, I think that's a factor that should be considered when you think about who you're going to bring here to play quarterback. And, oh, by the way, uh, I've only known G for 30 years. And as far as I'm concerned, he's the guy who coined the phrase Negadelphia. So if anyone can talk to the, uh, the heat of Philadelphia, it's the guy who created a word that now you hear on an almost daily basis in this town. And you're dead on, G. That is the strong suit. That is something that Jalen Hurts has that too many other guys have not had. Yeah. Can you, can you teach that? Can you develop that thick skin or do you have to show up with it the day you get here to Philadelphia? If you don't have it, when you become a Philadelphia Eagle for the first time, are you ever going to be able to get that or, or achieve I, I, that? I, I think you can develop it, you know, with the help of the other guys and, and, and just uh, people encouraging you and things. I think you can develop it, but, you know, I haven't seen it happen a lot, though. You know, it's usually if a guy yeah. comes in, either, either he can handle it or you know, he can't, or he, he starts – Focusing more on that and it's bothering him. And, you know, and you can see, I mean, you know, I, you know, just feel bad about a kid like, uh, like Carson, man, look how his career is going, you know, and there's no question the kid has great skills and showed it for a while, but to see his career like this plummeting like this, it all started because you know, he, he, something was bothering him. I don't know if that's exactly what it was, but to see his play just fall and, you know, start pressing and, you know, so much of it, you know, so much of the game is played here. I mean, you know, it's a mental, mental game, especially at the quarterback position. And I, I hope somebody's able to talk to him because that, that, that I means such a waste of talent. No reason that kid, you know, I see one thing that really bothers me about what I see with him. I look at a Tom Brady. Tom Brady will take a check down 25 times in a row. No problem. No apologies. Dump the ball off to the running back because it's the safest throw. It's not going to throw interceptions. He's not forcing the ball in there. March down the field and score. I, you know, I, I, you know, at time what I was looking at that Atlanta game in the Super Bowl. Check down, check down, check down, taking what they give him. And then Carson, you see somebody, you know, forcing it. Look, it's not there, man. That's not your fault. If the guy isn't open, don't try to force it in there. And it's like um, some part of him just can't do that. He just, look, take what they give you. If Tom Brady can take what you give, I played against uh, Montana. How many times did Montana check down? To throw the ball to the running back, a little simple throw. Take what they give you. Take care of the ball. You don't turn the ball over. 
You're going to turn the ball over. You're going to lose. It's like I feel like taking a kid in a room. Look, look at these tapes of Brady and Montana and don't apologize for taking the safe throw. Take care of the football, son. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just something that seems like somewhere in there they think you, you got to make these daring throws. And really, I mean, look at, um, uh, you know, I think Kansas Patrick City. Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, uh, Patrick that? Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, because Patrick that's Mahomes. how – that's how Cincinnati got to the Super Bowl, G, is Come the on. fact that they dropped eight people in coverage and he wouldn't take what was there and was trying to press things and try to get the football down the field. It's Jonathan Gannon's philosophy that everybody hates. Come on. That's what the whole league is going toward. I mean, you know, and you you know, you see that happen to Mahomes, and I'm sitting there going like, I can't believe some of these kids. Yeah. Why have you got to do that when the greatest that have ever played the game will take the check down? You got to yeah. try to throw it in there. And you know, if you turn the ball over, you're going to lose. You're going to lose in the league. I mean, the percentages are against. And just know it's that easy. It's don't, you know, don't make the game harder than it is. But so many guys, you know, they look at 25 times that great throw because that's the replay they're going to show over and over and over. But from, to have sat and watched uh, Brady throw check downs to the running back. And as I said, Montana used to do it all the time. In fact, I just saw Wendell Tyler out at the Super Bowl. We're sitting there laughing and everything. Crap, I had to try to cover him. Man, don't throw him that check down because I got to drop. <laughs> and, and I don't want him having a lot of room. Now I got to make an open field tackle on this guy. Coming back up in the zone, I don't want him to throw the check down because – it's a tough, it's a tough tackle to come up and, and make, especially if you've got a back like Wendell who's quick and yep, you yeah. know. And, and, uh, so, and then you see a guy who will just not take it. And you go, son, look, let me explain to you. What do you have against that short throw there that's safe? Take that until they open up. And then when they start open up, then you can use your cannon. Fine. But don't force it. Don't force it. Because if you force it, you're going to turn the ball over. And you're gonna we're gonna lose the game because you turn the ball over. And the, and to see the Bengals do that, and see Mahomes fall apart like that, and and see what happened to Wentz and everything, you go like, kid, the game is not that hard. Why did they got to try to make it so hard? But but these are guys who are you know legitimate with the uh, the definite franchise type talent. Now when I start talk thinking about you know Jalen Hurts. You know, he's still got to prove that he has the arm talent, you know, to be the marquee player. And he's got to watch, too. At, at times when he had struggles this year, sometimes he was forcing the ball. He wouldn't take it. Now, when he would take what they give him, which I will say he's coachable. He's the kind of kid will listen. That, uh, you know, I, I think they're going to give him a chance to see how much he improves because I don't see anybody there that you – know, I, I don't see Russell Wilson coming here. I mean, come on, I don't. This team is not ready yet. Russell Wilson wants to go to a team that's ready to win right now. Aaron Rodgers, same way. Are they going to come here with a team that's still getting their act together? You got young receivers that are still learning the game. I don't think that they would uh, would pick that. So I I think he's going to get another year to show what he's got um, because I don't see anybody jumping out in the draft either. I really don't see that. 
I would make the argument that two years ago, I don't think anybody believed the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were ready to win a Super Bowl. And they went and got that Brady guy. And, or Cincinnati. Yeah, that's and they were and right there. I, I will give you that. And and then plus, um, you know, and you could say the Rams in certain ways too, because look at all the deals they made. I mean, so, you know, you could have a GM, you know, he's aggressive and goes and makes that deal. So, you know, things can happen quickly. And I think that, uh, you know, the last two years, you can see somebody, you know, a GM goes out, you know, what was, uh, you know, that shirt that uh, the GM was wearing. <laughs> the Rams GM was wearing that shirt. Uh, about uh, with some draft picks. Yeah. F draft picks, <laughs> I think. Draft. Yeah. I, hey, so, I, didn't, I didn't catch that shirt. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Gee, I want to flip it over to the other side of the ball because John yeah. mentioned it and I want to get your take on it. Eagles defense. You were part of one of the most popular Eagle defenses. I've been in town 30 years, but uh, doing my research and talking to people who were here before us, the Buddy Ryan defense might be the most popular defense this team uh, has yeah. had over the past, I'd say, for its entire orga organizational existence in the NFL. Yeah. That's, That's how popular right. it was because it was uber-aggressive, and Philadelphia likes uber-aggressive defenses. Yes. This year's defense was not uber-aggressive. Jonathan Gannon plays a solid base defense with zones and letting the four guys get there and doesn't blitz much. And because of that, he comes under fire here in town all the time because – People love their blitzing. People love aggressive nature of defense in Eagle Nation, and that's just not what Jonathan, Jonathan Gannon provides. But statistically, they were not a bad defense this year, and I think they can upgrade the talent on the defense and get even better during this offseason. Some people were praying that Jonathan Gannon got the Texans job because they wanted no part of him coming back as their defensive coordinator. As a former defensive standout in the NFL, can Jonathan Gannon's defense work in the NFL in 2022? I think he can. Yeah, I think he can. You know, I, I think that he does, you know, need to change things up at time. I would like to see him be a little more aggressive, uh, even with uh, with some of the things he's doing. But uh, you can understand, he had a lot of guys new in his system. So when you got kids new in your system, the thing you don't want, you don't want to just give people big plays with, with, with mistakes. And so um, I, I, I think that he's going to be even better this year, get more time to work with guys. He'll be able to get a little bit more complicated at times with things. But I, I've seen, you know, defensive coaches come in uh, and really offensive coaches too. But you need some time with your players. And the more you time you have with them, you can do more things. But the big thing you don't want to do is, Try to do so much to where you got guys out there not sure of what they're doing because you want them to play fast. And so I think you're going to see more out of them this year. And I, you know, started seeing it as the season was going on to where he does have a good mind for the game. You know, he does know how to, you know, play in a more aggressive style and to take things away from a team and things that he does have the ability to do that. And, and you got to, think he's he's still a very young coach you know so he's still learning things uh and i think that what he wanted to do was to be sound starting out to do things that sound so keep it simple you know that's where he was his mindset with <clears throat> with a new group of guys that he was with and everything so i saw him get more aggressive saw him do some things that were you know creative uh and and doing some things with blitzing and 
and, and changing things up. So I saw as the season went on, you know, I was, you know, uh, um, you know, like a lot of people, I, I wanted to see more because you start out a season where you had, you got guys completing 80% of the passes, you know, that's just, that's just off the charts. You cannot win where you let teams do that. So he did change things up as the season went on. And, and I, and I thought all in all, he wound up having a good year. And if they can start where they were and start this season there, plus, you know, as we were talking about, I was talking about quarterback, 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 get to the quarterback, get to the quarterback. That's, yeah. that's, that's what you do <clears throat> defensively. You yeah. got to get to the quarterback. So they got to, they need, they need some better pass rush. If they're going to play that, they need guys that can come off that corner and get there. Uh, and that's probably what they're going to be looking for in the draft. And, you know, uh, they're going to be a lot of other people looking for it. So th they might end up trading up to try to do that. But you got to put pressure on the quarterback because ultimately that's what decided the Super Bowl, you know, and, and that decided a lot of games is the quarterback is what everything's about defensively. You got to get to the quarterback. You can't let him back there and have an all day. And I think that's probably what they're going to address in the draft. Yeah, that's the adage I constantly hear from scouts now, G, is get the quarterback or get to the quarterback. There's no other way. You, you got to have one of them or, or you're not going to be able to win consistency consistently in the NFL. I do want to talk about it because I think you have that unique bridge. You started here with Marion, Marion Campbell, and then you went to Buddy Ryan, as Jody said. Um, what does continuity mean for defensive players? I mean, that was year one with Jonathan Gannon, and there was concern that he would get the Houston job, and maybe the Eagles would be starting from scratch, but he'll be back. So what does it mean for those guys on the defensive side to be in the same system for that year two and, and have that continuity? Well, you know, uh, you know, Defensive coordinators, uh, you know, they're different. They're completely different. You know, uh, I really played, you know, uh, six years in Detroit playing for Maxie Bond, you know, and I, that's where I really learned football. I learned the NFL game from Maxie Bond. Smart player, smart coach, great coach. Uh, but he was completely different than Buddy. And really, you have to respect both of them because, you know, at times, you know, uh, I thought, you know, Maxie's defense – was a dominant defense in the NFL. And he really ran. He basically let the the um, the front four go after the quarterback. That was his thing. We're going to play pass defense. Sometimes we're going to blitz where we're sending the backers. But for the most part, you're letting those front four go there. That was his mentality. Now, Buddy, he was ahead of the NFL for a few years. Like that 1985 team, they should, they should give Buddy Ryan that trophy should be at his house because he was ahead of the NFL. And then when I played for him, I saw how far he was ahead of the NFL. Um, the way he called his defense and aggressiveness, he saw what formation you're in. He studied what you like to do out of a formation. And he had a specific defense and blitzes for that formation every game. So you had to have smart players. But if they were smart enough to, to be able to change every week, with what he had for each, each each offense, the offense couldn't pick up the blitzes. Uh, they had trouble running against the defense that because 
when the offense would shift formation, we changed the defense. But they didn't know that's what we were doing all the time. And, in fact, see, after I left here, I went down to Dallas, and Tom Landry said, oh, man, that crazy Buddy Ryan stuff. Guys are just <laughs> running all over the place. I said, Coach, no, 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 no. That's not guys <laughs> running all over the place. I explained to him what he was, what they were doing. And he was, he let his mouth falling open because Buddy was ahead of the NFL. Um, now I don't want to get all the way off and everything, but, but, um, but, but defensive coordinators are so different. So they have a personality. And so playing for them, you got to have his, you got to be able to adapt that personality. Buddy was aggressive. Go get the guy. If in doubt, go get him, you know, um, cause you know, that's, in fact, he used to tell us, look, if you're a couple of steps from the quarterback early in the game, the pat or whatever, any kind of penalty is on me. Go get that guy. Hit the, hit him. So, because he knows how much uh, a quarterback is affected by getting hit. So that was his mentality. And everything he did was aggressive, aggressive. Now, I think Jonathan Gannon is going to be able to impart more of his personality in this defense because guys will be more comfortable with doing things. Because one of the things they got to do a much better job of is you got to disguise your defense. Before the snap, defensive players can move all over the place. You move. You don't stand there. You, you, you show him this. You don't let the quarterback know, this is where I'm going to be when the ball snaps. No, you move around a little bit. So he's not sure. But if you go right to where you're going to be and everything, you go, okay, all right, they're in cover two. Okay, I know where I'm going with the ball. Especially a good quarterback is going to figure it out probably anyway. But you make it hard on him because just a split second. And the other thing I don't like is you got to delay the receivers coming downfield. Bill Belichick is like the only guy that still does it all the time. If you can delay the receivers by jamming them just a little bit and delay a split second or whatever, that might your pass rush might get there. And a lot of times a quarterback will come off of a receiver. If he's not flowing downfield right away, he's, you know, he knows that, that pressure's coming. So he's going to get the ball. He's going to try to look at somebody else. And I saw Jonathan Gannon starting to do some of that. And I think he's going to be better this year. So I, I feel good about that defense. I like the way they were going. Um, and, of course, being here in Philadelphia, you know Jonathan Gannon heard some of that noise. So it might be some of it where he was yeah, going to do it. I give <laughs> I give Gannon a lot of credit. He's uh, Jalen Hurts' like. At least on the outside, he looks like a guy who's going to let that water run right off his back like a duck. He did not uh, show any uh, intimidation, not the word, right word, but even being affected by it. He dealt with it really well. What he says at night when he comes home to his wife, we don't really know. But right. I thought at least outwardly he handled all the critique and criticism well. Very I, good see, I want, Very I want good to ask point, about uh, coming into the NFL. Uh, we yeah. mentioned it before we punched you up. You were slightly before when the combine started, entering the league back in 1979. The combine started in the early 80s. So you yeah. didn't get a chance to experience that. I'm sure some of your teammates, when they joined your teams in Detroit, here in Philadelphia, that had yeah. gone through the combine, talked to you about it. Yeah. Do you think the combine's a good thing? And I'm talking about all the way from when it started in the 80s up till today. We might have a boycott this year. Your general impression of the combine – Good thing or bad thing for players? I think it's a good thing because I think it fairly, you know, where a lot of times before, you know, like out at USC, we had all kind of scouts come out there and 
You know, they're taping you. One guy's using this watch. Another guy's using this watch. You know, one guy's a little quicker than the other and everything. You know, where you don't have, it's not fair because you might have a, a guy that looks like, well, he's running a better time, but he was running on grass. The other guy running on turf, whatever, you know. So to have them, everybody at one place doing it, uh, it it's helpful. You're still not going to get everybody there. Uh, but I think it's, I think it was good. I think it's good where they have the, you know, and I've been to a, a bunch of those. Um, <clears throat> and, you know, they get a chance to talk to the players. You know, I think that um, uh, the, the good scouts, the, the teams with a good system where they evaluate players, you know, to get in and talk to the guy, they know the questions to ask. They know what they're looking for. And I, I think it, um, it separates the people that are good talent evaluators and the ones that aren't. So I think it's good that they have the, uh, you know, everybody together like that. You know, I, I like it. Uh, G Cobb, last one from me. And I want to tell everybody to follow you on Twitter at Gary Cobb. You can get him online, gcobb.com, Fox 29. He's everywhere. Everybody knows. Everybody in Philadelphia knows G Cobb. You, we mentioned Negadelphia, and we're talking the scouting combine. Is it more difficult for the Eagles? Because they got to figure out who, which one of these kids can handle the city of Philadelphia. And we've seen it recently. Jalen Rager, maybe not the best equipped to handle it. You've dealt with a lot of young players over the years. Your son played at Stanford. Um what do you tell young kids, young players, when you when you talk to them on the Eagles about this particular city and uh, about how it's more difficult? And from the perspective of the organization, how do they handle it? Because they know it's more difficult. Well, with, with regards to the kids, I always tell the kids, look, man, focus on football. That will take care of everything. Make sure you're working on your game, you know. Uh, you, this is... I tell, you know, try to tell kids, I've seen so many kids come and go, they're not focused on football, get distracted by this, whatever it is. Look, the reason you're here is because of your ability to play football. If that doesn't work out well, believe me, you're going to be on the way out of here, man. You know, and, 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 and uh, you know, in fact, I, one of the things I, I really work for the NFL and I, I work with the kids, you know, to try to help kids in situations, try to help them as they transition. Really, I, work with a lot of kids after they get released to try to help them get their life together and get a job and things. The league is doing a lot of things like that, which is good because so many kids, you know, um, you know, in your early twenties, all of a sudden you've been working all these years. And then when you're not playing football, it's, it's a hit, but I tell them to focus on football, man. Don't get distracted by this other stuff because your career will be over so fast. Even if you play 10, 11, 12 years, you know, I played 11 years, man. It seemed like it went up, just Zoom, it was over. So I tell them that's what's going to keep you. And and I say that the, the fans here in Philly, they care. And that's why you're going to hear about it. I said, if you play well, you go do your, they're going to love you, man. Even, even if you just give the best effort, if you're a guy that works, you show up prepared and everything, they respect you because, you know, these people have to work hard and they understand and they will respect you if the kind of guy that works hard and everything. And I said, but don't 
don't uh, get caught up into listening to everything everybody says. Don't worry about it. Somebody will say, somebody said this, somebody said that. And I try to tell them not to, you know, listen to everything, you know. You, you don't need to hear all of the criticism that everybody says about you. Who cares? The coach is the one that is going to tell you how you're playing and everything. Focus on that. And, you know, I try to tell guys that, but <laughs> like I've had <laughs> this one guy. <laughs> who I was telling, I said, look, man, don't worry about the criticism. So he said, no, nah, no, nah, man, I don't, I don't listen. I said, listen, don't be listening to me on the radio, man. I told him, don't <laughs> listen to me on the radio because people going to be calling, criticizing the guy. He goes, oh, no, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not listening. And don't you know, about 10 minutes later, he goes, you know that guy that called you last night? <laughs> <laughs> All right, G. Cobb, here's my last question, and it's yeah. going to include a story. Um, when I met G for the first time was at WIP many moons ago, probably around the water cooler before one of his shows, after one of my shows. Yeah. Um, and uh, I certainly knew of Gary, what kind of player he was, but I didn't know him personally. And I think the first time I met him, if not, could have been the second time I said, uh, hey, G, how often do you hear that you were the guy who was traded for Wilbert Montgomery. And, oh, my God, did G. Cobb's eyes roll. And he goes, why are you such an a-hole? You got to bring that up. <laughs> Do you know how many times I've had to hear that in my time here in Philadelphia? And I really wasn't trying. I was just being inquisitive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I was probably being an a-hole, too. Um so the question is, G. Cobb, when was the last time, other than your a-hole buddy, Jody McDonald, somebody asked you a reference that you were dealt for Wilbert Montgomery? It was it was earlier this year. I don't hear it as much. Uh, but, you know, I still stay in touch with Wilbert, you know, with buddies. and uh, But, yeah, <laughs> but that was a big thing. I mean, and rightfully so. I mean, Wilbert was a great player. And, um, uh, you know, the, uh, the city of Philadelphia wasn't crazy about seeing him go. <laughs> so, uh, I, you know, in fact, when, when I came in, I was uh, go, coming into a hotel there, uh, you know, uh, over there in South Philly. And um, lady said, uh, are, are you, you a new Eagles player? Oh, you're that guy. They got rid of Wilbur Montgomery. You better be a good player. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> so, so I got it right away. Uh, but you know why? What I was said, because people care about Wilbur. They respected what he did. I mean, he's the kind of guy, as small back, took all the punishment he took, carried this team. A lot of the time he was here, he was the guy carrying the team. So people uh, really cared about Wilbert, and that's really what they were acting to. A lot of them didn't know me, but they knew that, hey, Wilbert Montgomery was a great player, great eagle, and if you play hard, that's the thing about Philly. I try to tell the guys, man, if you play hard, these people will love you, man. And, you know, you go give it everything you got. I said, you just give everything you got. They'll love you here in Philly. And the, the guys that have done that, you know, they uh, shake heads, said, you you know, you were right. They love you here in Philly if you give us everything you got. And what I learned from that first encounter with G. Cobb was he was a guy who could take the heat. He was a guy who could uh, thrive under the microscope and deal with the Negadelphia uh, town that he was now a uh, 
talk show host in and did a great job and has continued to do a great job for 30 years. Gee, always a pleasure. Appreciate you hopping on board, bud. We'll uh, run you down again during the offseason. Thanks for hopping on today. My pleasure. Uh, enjoyed it. That is Thanks, uh, Gary Cobb. Check out gcobb.com. You catch him on uh, Fox 29. Uh, good dude who, I'd know, who I've known for a long time. And I did. I got him a little bit that first time we met, asking him the Wilbert Montgomery thing. I, I, I that's I, a compliment, you know. Uh, when G, uh, I think it was for uh, from the Lions, right? When he came to yep. Philadelphia, um, and I think they were trying to trade him for Anthony Carter um, before they got Wilbert Montgomery. And Anthony Carter was a huge deal in Michigan because he went to school there. Um, and he started in the USFL there. He turned into a, a star player. Um, so when you're in getting traded for big names like that or in the conversation, that's uh, that's pretty good. So you got to think of it that way. And I was being, like I said, a bit of an a-hole. Uh, but it was also nervy on my part because – at the at that point, G Cobb just could have picked me up and bench pressed me. <laughs> He's me still good. He's still uh, good. G Cobb is still. He's yeah, still he a big still boy. I'm a little bit bigger than I was 30 years ago, so he'd have to do a little bit more heavy lifting. He was still in NFL player shape at that time. Uh, but uh, I've always always gotten along great with G Cobb, and we appreciate when he hops aboard here on Birds 365. All right, we're coming back. We got more to discuss. Barrett Brooks. We're heavy on the ex NFL players today. Uh, Big B will be with us coming up in hour number two. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears imagine for a moment that you went to work today and when you came home you were catastrophically injured your life and your family's life that's what happened to union construction worker mike little i was scared of what the end was going to be but to be 100 percent honest with you i knew i was going to be all right just by talking with brian in my heart i just knew everything was going to be all right call the firm and find out why they say we got this. Call 
field of life, First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. John McMullen, Johnny McDonald, your Mac Mac Bird 365 guys. Appreciate you jumping aboard with us. Barrett Brooks will do just that about 20 minutes from now. So uh, kind of worked out this way. Ex-Eagle Day here on Birds 365. And it uh, we got g first, and then uh, Barrett was good enough to agree to hop on uh, last night. So we're looking forward to talking to Barrett. I want to follow up on something that g brought to the table about Philadelphia being a tough town to play in. Nobody's arguing that. It has been for a long time. It didn't just start out a couple of years ago yeah. before I got to town. I think you it's got gotten easier. I I think it's gotten easier. You've been here longer than me, Jody, covering things. Um, I think I think the people, and I mention this with Ben Simmons all the time. I think they're incredibly loyal. Um, Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. To the point where I think they used to be much more um, critical now uh, they're much more loyal um, until the very end, uh, and then they turned, and then they get visceral. Um, I think it's a little bit easier uh, today, um, but that's just a feel I get. Here's here's where I'll agree with you. Um, and again, just before I got here, I didn't experience it, but certainly I've worked with enough guys that have uh, written enough stories, told enough stories that I understand it and comprehend it. Uh, the biggest example of when it was the toughest for me is pretty damn simple. That's Mike Schmidt. I love uh, that quote. That's one. Of, is that where you're going? That's one of my favorite quotes yes, of all time. It is uh, just an unbelievably on point quote. The thrill of victory and the agony of reading about it in next day's <laughs> paper was attributed to Mike Schmidt. And it was definitely on point that Mike Schmidt, who is, and we've had great players in town. We've got one right now in Joel Embiid. Uh, is Joel Embiid the greatest center of all time? Well, no, he's got to catch Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And he's got years to do so. I'll bet right now he doesn't. Uh, but Mike Smith, in my estimation, greatest third baseman to ever play the game. So in one of 10 positions on the field, Mike Smith is the greatest of all time. And he was regularly booed here in Philadelphia because he struck out with guys on base often enough that somehow the 500 and change home runs get pushed to the background. But God forbid he strike out with runners on second and third in a key game. And <laughs> that was when, to me, Philadelphia was at its ultimate toughest, was the Mike Schmidt era. So therefore, I think your statement has weight. Um, it's a little easier. It's not like Philadelphia's hugs and kisses. We may be the town of brotherly love and uh, what is it that Yuki says all the time now on TV and sisterly affection. I don't know when that kind of got added into the mix, but it has been. Um, it's still one tough town. Has been always. Yeah. Be. 
Never I, I agree. Well, I guess Mike is to me is the best example because they will never boo anyone with the greatness of Mike Schmidt today. Um, never. I'm. I mean, you know, when you could, uh, uh, Julius Irving would be sort of the basketball. He never got booed, but Julius kind of also had the smooth personality. Was a little bit better with it than. Uh, than Mike was, um, but we just saw with Ben Simmons, and I got—I mean, he's not even close to those two players. And there was incredible loyalty up until the very, very end, to the point where I often say, the most—you talk about Negadelphia—the most visceral hate mail I've ever gotten was about Ben Simmons, not about uh, criticizing Ben Simmons. Was about criticizing Ben Simmons, not criticizing. I get plenty of it with the Eagles. Um, I get unbelievable hate mail, but there was this incredible loyalty to the point of, I call it willful ignorance until they were forced into a corner and said, okay, this guy can't, we can't move forward. And then it turns and you do the 180. But if Mike Schmidt was the best third baseman in the history of baseball today, he would be revered in my opinion. And that's why I think it's gotten a little bit easier because back in the day he wasn't, and it was a really difficult time. And that is a great quote that you and, bring up, Jim. Uh, quickly, and I, we're going to get back to the football here in a second, but um, Ben Simmons is an isolated situation because there was a segment, a, a portion of the population of the fans here in town that were so dedicated to the process of the process. That's probably true. That as well. Ben Simmons yeah. was the highlight thereof. So yeah. if you critiqued Ben Simmons, you were critiquing the process, and Sam Hinkie walked on water. So you cannot do that. You cannot include any criticism whatsoever yeah. of anything that has That's anything fair. to do with the process because it's the greatest sports outside the box thinking in the history of sports. That's why Ben Simmons is an outlier. It, it, I don't know. Yeah, that's fair. Of the that's fair. Path. But I will. I will also then. I'll take that a little bit further because I think that's a fair critique of, of of my point. I'll take that a little bit further. I I you know what the Sixers did and what you know would never have been accepted uh, in a, in a different era, different generation. Now and you know. I wanted to get Kevin Kincaid from Crossing Broad on the show, but he's on vacation because um, I wanted to get his feel as an all-four-sport guy, and I'll get your feel as an all-four-sport guy. I, I think everything's changed from that aspect, at least to a portion of the fan base. Everybody's always about the future. Oh, you can't do this. The future, the future, the future. Everything was about you better win bright stinking now or we're going to kill you. No more. In fact, you kind of get killed for doing the opposite. How could you possibly consider trading a young player who's essentially done nothing but shown a little bit of promise? Or how could you possibly trade a draft choice for a veteran guy worth, you know, who's going to the Hall of Fame and Russell Wilson Two first-round picks for Russell Wilson? No, that's where you start, people. That's where you start, and you move up from there. 
But there's a whole portion of this fan base that go, how could you give up two first-round picks for Russell Wilson? Are you serious? I, I that's, I think it's changed, Jody. Yeah, uh, I, and I'm with you. I did this on my WIP show the other night. If you want Russell Wilson, if you want Deshaun Watson, with some interesting stuff, uh, tomorrow we might get a chance to tackle some of this stuff that's going on down in Tampa. Some serious infighting and mudslinging about the yeah. Bucks and and the like. And a lot of uh, reports out of Tampa that they may jump into the Deshaun Watson thing. That if and when Watson gets cleared and or they get these cases worked out and he goes on to the open market, Tampa, of course, is in need of a quarterback since Tom Brady's retired for now. Uh, so they have to start their future thinking. They can't be worried about uh, they got to get a uh, representative quarterback out there immediately. Not as worried about the future in Tampa as they are here in Philadelphia. Um, so uh, we, we may do some of that tomorrow. Um, but I was surprised that they were an aggressive suitor of Deshaun Watson. Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson. If you want one of those quarterbacks, if you were the few, the proud, the non-Philadelphia fan who worries about the future, you want to win right away. And while you like Jalen Hurts, you acknowledge that all three of those guys have a much better career resume in the NFL than Jalen Hurts does. It's three first-round draft picks. It, the, you, you're not going to be able to finagle it for work or we'll add Jalen Hurts to the deal. I don't think that moves the needle a whole hell of a lot. And no. All three of those guys, do you agree with me? All three of them at a minimum are going to co- uh, cost three first round draft picks. Now, the I think Deshaun's Deshaun's a little bit of a out, yeah, a little bit of a knuckleball because you don't uh, so, know. What, yeah, assuming yeah. Deshaun's. Um, at least in the court of, uh, at least in civil court, assuming he got things wrapped yeah. up. Yeah, I think that, if if things are wrapped up in a positive fashion for him, yeah, I think all of a sudden, yeah, it goes right back up. So, um, yeah, if you want to get into that business, G. Cobb just said, it. quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. It's not turning around in, in this league. That's you either get the quarterback or you get to the quarterback, as we just said. Um. You know, but there's another example. Look, Jalen Hurts, we used the NFL.com rankings, I think, from Greg Rosenthal last week, number 17. I think he did a solid job last year. I think he played better than I expected. I think he played better than most people expected. But you also got to be realistic, 17 to 17. I think that was very fair. If you look at that list and look at the people above them, Beyond him, I think that's where he is, right about that range. You could argue about a spot or two spots up or down, but he's right in that range. That's not good enough. So it's either got to get better, and he's only 23, and you can evolve as a player, no question about that, and that's when we talk about the future. Or you can go out and get the proven, demonstrated superstar performance player which the rams did in so many different positions starting with quarterback um you you got two avenues and people in philadelphia today they're worried about the future i i I never i never got that jody before i get it in this generation here's one thing where i will give philadelphia sports fans and this goes beyond eagle fans but we are birds 365 so for the most part i'm uh, relegating the conversation to Eagle fans, but I'm acknowledging Flyer fans 
Sixer fans, Philly fans too. Uh, they're a more educated group just because there's that much more information out there. Not that they're more dedicated and they're putting in hours on top of hours on top of to be on top of their teams. It's easily accessible. You've got the internet. We were talking about Mike Schmidt earlier and said that that might've been the toughest time. Ever. There was no such thing as the internet then. Players' salaries were not known then. There was no salary cap then. So I will give sports fans this much credit that they comprehend that. The really good sports fans understand it's not just who's got the best resume. Aaron Rodgers, MVPs, uh, won a Super Bowl. Uh, Russell Wilson, MVP type candidate, won a Super Bowl. Deshaun Watson, touchdown number. The, the numbers are just that much more readily available and accomplishments are acknowledged. And you know what their salary is, which we didn't know back then. And there's a salary cap in place, which I will, in defense of the fans who are looking toward the future, that is a reason to at least put up a uh, yield sign, not a stop sign, but a yield sign and go, wait a minute. And how's this going to work with the salary cap? Because all those guys are already making $35, $40 million, whereas the Eagle quarterback now makes what? What is Jalen Hurts? Two and 1. James? 1.6. 1.6. Uh, so, yes, you've Next got all year. that other cap money to spend elsewhere. And if you're trying to be Howie Roseman and you're trying to play general manager, you're trying to look at a big picture, you can legitimately point out that, yeah, it's nice to get a quarterback that's already accomplished something, but you're robbing Peter to pay Paul. Yeah, no, I mean, it is, it's not a hard salary cap and you're right. People are certainly more educated, but we just saw, and, you know, and I'll take the hit on this and Andrew Brand always takes the hit on this. And, you know, we were, and you take the victory lap because we were telling you all last year leading up to Carson Wentz's trade. Look, I find it very difficult to believe uh, Jeffrey Lurie is going to approve all this dead money which was going to not only set the standard in the NFL, destroy the previous precedent for uh, dead money. Well, you were right. I was wrong. Andrew was wrong. Jeffrey approved it. And guess what? The sky didn't fall. Chicken little. uh, The Eagles got better. (laughs) And they got significantly better. Were they hamstrung? Of course they were hamstrung for one off season because they were paying Carson Wentz so much money that, to, to blow up the Indianapolis Colts uh, as he did well. So maybe they accomplished something in that matter. But um, so yes and no. I mean, how Howie, if there's one thing Howie has proven, you got to give Jake Rosenberg credit for this, who's the Eagles director of football administration as well. They're the contract guys. They know what the hell they're doing. So don't think you can say, Okay, I know better than Howie Roseman or Jake Rosenberg. Uh, don't have that type of, of, of ego would be my advice. Um, it, they can manipulate the cap. And the Rams have proven this. And Les Snead and, and, and Gary Cobb brought up um, Les's shirt, which was great if you didn't see it. And it was after draft picks. Um, but he wasn't, you know, he's just having a little bit of fun for everybody who took shots at him. Um, look, we just mentioned three names. Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, Deshaun Watson. 15, 16, 19. And, and by the way, if the Eagles were to make a trade, 
they're probably giving up two of those first round picks, right. probably a future first round pick. Um, and then you go from there. What are the odds you get a Hall of Fame quarterback at 15, 16, 19? What are the odds you get impactful players, three impactful players that will equal the impact of one of those three quarterbacks? Astronomically low. That's what you're evaluating. That's what you're evaluating. But then you get into this, uh, well, I want this guy for 10 years. I want this guy for 15 years and the, the future again. Sometimes, and this goes with the Sixers as well, And look, the odds are against the Sixers winning the NBA championship, but I always defend Daryl Morey because sometimes you got to shoot your shot. The Rams shot their shot. They won the Super Bowl. So you could look at everything they gave up, and Albert Breer went down it, and it ain't good. It ain't what they got back, and – they not only got Matthew Stafford and Jalen Ramsey and Odell Beckham Jr. and everybody else and Von Miller and everybody else they traded for. They also got a Lombardi trophy out of it. He won. Case closed. Yeah, he can put the uh, draft picks t-shirt on yeah. and, uh, and smile as he does so. Now, if you're if you're in the the unrealistic assumption of, well, we got to win every year, you're never going to be happy. It's never going to happen. Tom Brady is the outlier. We're talking about outliers. Tom Brady is the outlier. Tom Brady's ruined it for everyone because everybody goes, well, we, we want to get six or seven. No, you're not. You're not. So, I I mean, you, you, you try to win and you try to get in a position. Andy Reid was the best example of this in his oh, entire yeah. career. You try to be good enough to be in the mix and hopefully the stars align. It's only worked once for Andy. It's only worked once for Aaron Rodgers. Um, it's not easy to win. So if your expectations are unrealistic, you get caught in this cycle of future, future, future. Try to win. Try to win. Nobody thought the Eagles were going to win in 2017, Jody. Worst to first. Super Bowl champions. Right. Just those who picked the Eagles to win the Super Bowl every year. That's the only ones who had the Eagles to win in 2017 because they picked them in 2016 and 15 and 14 and 13 and 12 because they picked the Eagles every single year. And there is a uh, group of fans that uh, address things that way because if their home team doesn't win, it's a shame. Um, you're right. Uh, what do you want? Do you want to go for it? Take a, a shot. Know there's going to be a little bit of a backfall at some point, sometimes quicker than others, sometimes gradual. But at some point, you're going to take a step backwards. That's a given. Is it more preferable to do it that way or is it more preferable to do it the Andy Reid way? Sustained excellence over a period of time and then one year, everything aligns for you. I think the Eagle fans, you would think that the Eagles fans would uh, buy more into let's take our shot because it never fell Andy Reid's way when he was here in Philadelphia. He had to go to Kansas City to have it actually fall his way and win that championship. But I do take your overall stance of it's more of a let's look to the future fan base than it used to be here in town. All right, let us look to our future. Coming up in the next four or five minutes, we will be joined by one Barrett Brooks. You know him from the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. You see him on NBC Sports Philadelphia as well. Another former Philadelphia Eagles is going to join us here on Birds 365. 
Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view. It goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub. And in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. Holy shit. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian. In my heart, I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. Field of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. You got the Mac and Mac guys, John McMullen and Jody McDonald holding it fourth. On Birds 365, we got a little bit of a helping hand. I should say a big helping hand. Uh, <laughs> former Philadelphia Eagle offensive lineman, uh, now host on the middle here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel and contributor for NBC Sports Philly, Barrett Brook joins us. All right, Barrett, first of all, thanks for coming on. Secondly, first question is a trivia question. I asked this of my partner in our number one of today's show, which I'm assuming you weren't up watching and streaming, were you? Uh, no, I was asleep. Okay. <laughs> that's what I figured. No one no one knocking you for it, uh, but that's good because you don't know the answer to this question. Uh, I didn't embarrass you... myself real quick, Barrett, by okay. this question, but it, I got it, a hint. Jody gave it, me a hint. It okay. Uh, we'll see if you do the same. Uh, this year, um, the Eagles' top two draft picks, first and second round, Devontae Smith started almost every game for the Eagles. And Landon Dickerson, stepping in, injured, Barrett Brooks, blah, 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 stepped in, started 12 games out of the 17 for the Eagles. Do you know the last year that the Philadelphia Eagles' first and second round draft picks 
started as many 12 game as many as 12 games in a season. Early returns on high draft picks for the Philadelphia Eagles hasn't always been Howie Rose's pally, uh, Howie Roseman's pallywick. Um, do you remember the last time the Eagles were so lucky to have major contributions from their first two picks in a draft in their rookie season? Were they on the defensive side of the ball? One offense, one defense. One offense, one defense. By the way, I thought defense. I was thinking corners right away. But I was thinking corners also. Yeah. 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 Um, one offense, one defense. I know my year in '95, I started and Mamula started. But uh hmm. oh, by the way, you don't know to go, have to go any further. That's that it. is the last time the Eagles had <laughs> two rookies step in and play 12 games, start 12 games apiece. 1995, Mike Mamula. And Barrett Brooks. So congratulations. <laughs> you are the answer to an outstanding Philadelphia trivia question. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, uh, we were we were pushing into duty. In fact, I was supposed to play guard. Uh, they drafted me to play guard, but, you know, my boy Bernard couldn't stay off the weed, man. So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I got pressed into uh, duty early, you know. So I, I started, you know, and, 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 you know, I can remember that. I mean, it was, it was kind of crazy, you know, oh, yeah. going into starting. You know, looking across the huddle and seeing Randall Cunningham was, you know, it's kind of exciting, man. You know, Ricky Waters, uh, Kevin Turner. I mean, it was it was some stars on that team, you know, and I just happened to be blessed enough to play with them. So yeah, man, that was that was that was definitely something. I, I don't want to get off on too much of a tangent, but I do want to. I I think, and you would know better than me, so I'm going to throw it out there. But the combine's coming up, so Mike. Mike Mamula is kind of famous for being that first sort of super combine guy who yes. was so good at the combine, jumped up all the boards. I, he was not as bad as people make him out to be. He was a right. pretty good football player. Yes. If he had been picked in the second round, people would have went, oh, Mamula's pretty good. Am I overstating that or are people just too hard on Mike Mamula? No, you're absolutely right. You know, and, and, Mamula played consistent. Like, you know, he had double-digit sack years a couple of years. So, you know, it wasn't like he was just a waste. And he played into a second contract. You know, I didn't play into a second contract. He did. So, I mean, he had some worth. He had some uh he had some pass rushing ability, man. It was just tough because back then they had great offensive lines then. You know, you know, he had Eric Allen and those guys, you know. Uh, I mean, he just, you know, he just played during the time of physicality was how you played the game. It's, it's much different from this year. I mean, these days. But yeah, man, Mamula was pretty good. You know, I like I like his 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 get off the ball. You know, he could he could finish plays. His run one stopping is something you know that he had a problem with. But other than that, man, he could rush the passer. All right, Barrett. Uh, the last couple of weeks, months, as a matter of fact, you go full half year. You're on Birds three sixty five. Both John and I have done the unthinkable and given Howie Roseman credit, which some people in this town don't like a little bit. Uh, but when things go right, you got to give a guy credit. I think John and I are both fair in that way. Yes. So because of that, I'm not going to have an issue with me questioning Howie Roseman because uh, putting it on the big balance sheet, I've been pretty good to Howie, but today I'm going to throw a serious question out for you. Uh, I'm taking you back to after the 2018 season with the Philadelphia Eagles. They win the Super Bowl in 2017, come back the next year. Carson is the quarterback. Carson gets hurt. Foles gets them into the playoffs again. And Howie Roseman at all, and I'm leaving most of this at Howie's doorstep, decided they were going to give Carson Wentz the mega contract extension. 
it did not work out well. I think we can all agree right. to that at this point. <laughs> that decision does not stand the test of time. But let's put it in its proper uh, context. 2017, we know how great Carson was, MVP candidate, up until when he got hurt. Foles did what he did. He comes back 2018, not playing as well as 2017, uh, but not awfully either. And then the Eagles said, we either got to pay this guy or go in another direction. They decided to pay him. A lot has transpired since. And Carson Wentz's character, ability to lead, ability to take criticism is very welcome under scrutiny and criticism. Did the Eagles miss all that? Did Howie Roseman at all, Jeff Lurie and everybody else who decided to give him that money? Did they, should we be saying shame on them for not being able to realize, well, wait a minute, we're going to give $130 million to a guy who's not really a leader and gets his uh, hackles up every time somebody questions him or uh, puts a teammate on a pedestal like Nick Foles? How bad a mistake did the Eagles make? I know I can only critique to a point because when they signed him, I said, oh, that's a good move. Uh, so uh, I, I would have done the same thing, but I didn't have the same inside information that the Philadelphia Eagles had. How big a mistake was that, Barrett? Um, you know, hindsight is always going to be, you know, get the best of us. But, oh, yeah. you know, if you if you talk to players, you know, and I don't know how much this organization, you know, gets to talk to the players and, and listen to the players. Um, you know, there were some rumblings of, of, of him not being a leader, him not getting along with a lot of guys. But, you know, the guys he wasn't getting along with are guys that, you know, you would you would say don't have a, a they have a kind of a little checkered past, you know, like Garrett Blunt. He didn't care for him or I mean, you know, Alshon's a great dude. He couldn't get along with him. And when you're a leader, you have to, you know, transcend all those type of things. You got to look past those type of things. And Carson wasn't a guy that he could look past that because of his faith. He couldn't look past, you know, some of the stuff. So they thought he was a lot, a lot more of a judgmental type of player as opposed to a player that, you know, all right, I, you know, on the field we do our thing. But it was just a, you know, he, he just didn't go out, you know, saying on the field and play better than his locker room presence, and that was the problem. If you could pay, if you can play past that, then everybody will love you. It doesn't matter if you, you know, you don't get along with this guy, that guy. But his performance on the field did not um, put him in a position where they could look past that. So I think they kind of jumped the gun. They tried to do what they've done in the past and sign guys earlier than, you know, what their fair market value is. They did it to Ertz. They did it to Lane. And they tried to do it with, with, um, with Carson. And it just didn't work. It backfired on them. Was it a bad decision? Hindsight? Well, we'll say it. Yeah, we'll say it is. But at that time, I, you know, I think it was a good decision for them to do it. They were trying to, you know, jump and and, and sign up to a contract that was, you know, f- was team friendly. Um, you look at everybody that signed right after him. You know, I think they got over, you know, because they, they the other guys oh, signed yeah. for ten million dollars more yeah. than what he signed for. So it was a great deal for the Eagles. It's just the player didn't transcend um, the off the field stuff as opposed to on the field stuff. That's yeah, I agree. I think people. I think we all said that was a good. Uh, signing at the time it mm-hmm. was cost effective compared to the rest of the league and, and the cost of doing business at that particular position and remember a lot of this information the Eagles didn't have they had some of it as you mentioned Barrett he didn't get along with certain guys in the locker room we all know those stories Joe Santa Liquido we all know friend of the show um, some of the issues 
Uh, no question those existed. But then you had the drafting of Jalen Hurts. That was after the signing. He yes. didn't take that well. Um, you had the pandemic. And, and, you know, one of the reasons he's on his way out of Indianapolis is because, hey, you're the leader of this football team. And not trying to be political here, but, you know, the best ability is availability. If you're not going to get vaccinated, right. uh, you're not going to be the leader of this football team. That certainly seems to be what Bob Ursay is saying in Indianapolis as far as the leadership issues. So a lot of these things came up afterward. Um, in the moment, that was a good signing by Howie Roseman. And Jalen Hurts was selected to be the backup quarterback because Carson couldn't finish seasons. Yep. So exactly it made right. sense from a football perspective, but – it's about more than football and egos start getting involved and all that kind of stuff. So can you blame a GM for that? I don't know. How do you grade it uh, as far as, you know, the human nature aspect of this game and this sport, can anybody be an expert in that? Well, that's the problem. You can't because locker rooms are very um, clickish. And when they're clickish like that, you got to have a guy that can get along with those clicks. And if they're the leader on the team, you got to be able to communicate with others on the team. It got to a point where Carson wasn't able to communicate with those guys, and those guys didn't want to communicate with him. And when you're in a position like that, and and I think the, the straw that broke the camel's back in that locker room was not necessarily Alshon, not necessarily, um, you know, uh, you know, Legarrette Blount or anything like that. I think it was more so with with with, with Ertz, you know, and he didn't back Ertz and. That kind of, you know, you know, turned the table on, you know, what a lot of guys thought of him, you know, because, I mean, here's a guy that, you know, your you're number one target. This is a guy that's, you know, he's the butter on your bread and you couldn't back him. And that's one of the things that everybody looked like, wow, if you don't back your boy, I don't have a snowball's chance of being <laughs> a guy, you know, that you're going to be cool with. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, and there, there lies the problem. Though. You, you got to be able to to be a a a. a a leader who can get along with everybody. I think that's part of the problem why the Legion of Boom got broke up. Those guys didn't believe they didn't get along with Russell. So they broke those guys up, you know, and 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 after that, you know, they haven't been the same since then. There is something to being a guy that can go in a locker room and control the locker room, who can who can, you know, go in and and communicate with the locker room. You don't have to be buddy buddy, but you at least have to have open lines of communication with those guys. And I think that's the, that's what's wrong with Carson. He lacks or- those, Communication or Barrett, skills. or Barrett, you got to play like Aaron Rodgers. Nobody oh, likes Aaron. I, exactly. So yeah. your play has to transcend yeah. your locker room. Uh, I mean, because look at him. I mean, he he doesn't talk to anybody really. Yeah. You know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but his play governs that. You know. So his play is what it is. So we, I will look past that because you're such a great player. You know. I mean, people don't like Barry Sanders. Barry Sanders didn't dislike anybody. He didn't agree with anybody. I mean, he didn't really kick with anybody. He was to himself. But his play on the field transcended all of that. So he was able to be that leader on the team without saying much. You know, you knew Barry was going to do his thing, you know, and 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 I think that's the big thing. You know, he didn't have a lot of intimate relationships with a lot of guys in, inside that locker room, but he's played so well that, you know, he could do those type of things. Barrett, I want to ask you about the combine. Uh, in our number one of our show today, we had old man G. Cobb on. 
who predated the combine, as a matter of fact. <laughs> now, even though you got a little white in your beard and you're trying to catch up to McMullen and McDonald, uh, at least you are of the era of the combine. Uh, back when you took part in it, good thing, bad thing. We've got some serious issues with it this year. Players, agents are trying to shut down the combine and have guys boycott. When you went through with it, did you get out of it what you wanted? What did you like? What did you think the NFL was taking it you advantage with? What were your thoughts on the combine when you went through it? Um, I, I, I participated in the combine. Um, I actually kind of tweaked my hamstring a little bit in the combine back in the day when I could run. You know, I ran a five flat 40, <laughs> you know, and, you know, I had a 32 inch vertical. But, you know, bench press, you know, kind of killed me a little bit because I only did it 26 times and they only counted 24. So that kind of killed me because, you know, they were at the time they had running backs doing that. You know, I think the average for an offensive line was like 28 and I was at, you know, 24. So that kind of hurt me a little bit. But, I mean, the combine helped me out also. You know, being a guy that's over 300 pounds that could run a five flat 40, um, it, it helped me. It kept me where I was supposed to be, right around that second, first round range. Um, but my combine was different because it was it was messed up. You know, I, sh- I, I was supposed to be drafted in the first round. But – you know, my draft, we had all that stuff with, you know, Warren Sapp tested positive for weed. There was like 12 guys that tested positive. There were 12 guys smoking weed in, in the, um, you know, in, 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 in like two rooms where they stuck towels but underneath it, the door. You should, have been, you should have been used to it when uh, yeah. you met Bernard Williams. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah so that's what I'm you saying. You combine tested tough <laughs> with the weed. So I just stepped right in, you know what I mean? But. You know, that's what kind of messed the whole draft up. You know, Mamula going where he went and Sap falling down. Sap was by far – he might have been the best player in that draft. You know, yeah. and, and, and you know, he dropped down to like 15 or something like that. You know, so that it, it was just a crazy draft. You know, I can remember, you know, guys like – I think his name is Kilpatrick from, from uh, Miami or Florida State, one or two defensive end. I mean, those guys, you know, they, they – teams would come up and ask them a question. They'd be like, who are you? What team are you from? <laughs> oh, you, you they were like, oh, oh, you guys picked too far down the list, uh, too far down the first round to talk to me right now. I was like, wow. <laughs> it was different. Guys were different back then. Yeah, and that's, you know, part of the thing they're trying to do with the combine, trying to get to know players. I think that part of it is more important. That and the medical part of it's more important than the 40 times. And Absolutely. And, and that kind of stuff. And that's what they're sort of haggling over. But I want to bring up uh, Daniel Jeremiah for this reason, Barrett. And, and you're a unique person to ask about this. Daniel, who obviously is the NFL Network's lead draft analyst. Now, used to work for the Eagles back in the end of the Andy Reid era. And he recently uh, put out, you know, how you build a modern NFL team. And I was a little surprised because he comes from that Eagles philosophy. And obviously it starts with quarterback. We all know that. Starts with quarterback, starts with Ed Rusher. You either get the quarterback, get to the quarterback, which we said on this show a couple times. And then he said, explosive playmakers, multiple explosive playmakers, and Mm. make sure there are no tomato cans on the offensive line. So a little (laughs) lessening, like you can't have a terrible player on the offensive line. But I'm surprised Daniel, of all people, didn't start up front, which is what the Eagles preach after quarterback. Quarterback, we all know, is number one. But are, do you sense that shift 
in the yes. NFL? Yes, and I, and I think it, uh, Daniel Jones is definitely responding from a place of being around Andy and trusting Andy. And look what Andy has accomplished these last few years. His explosive plays. You know, yes, they drafted high in the first round with, um, you know, the two tackles, but neither one of the tackles are there right now. And But all their explosive players are there. So I think they look more so at explosive players as opposed to looking at, you know, building an offensive line. Both teams that, you know, that – that um in the uh, in the AFC they don't really care about the offensive lines but they're scoring a lot of points because those guys are just so fast with the Kansas City Chiefs you look after you know they went in uh and, and the Bills went and got their receivers you know became more explosive teams are starting to do that now and they're seeing the results of it you know Cincinnati their offensive line sucks but the explosive players that they have they have four legitimate number one receivers on their roster four so, you know, I mean, at this point, you, well, three, I'm sorry. I was thinking of tight end also when I say receiver also. But mm-hmm. they have legitimate weapons that allow them to get the ball out of their hands faster and the playmakers get the ball. Once they get it, then they make a hey. That's when they go out there and make big plays. And I think that's what the philosophies are. You know, the philosophy of the NFL is starting to go in that direction. When I got in the NFL, it was all about offensive line and running back. And then it just kind of switched to quarterback. And now switching from quarterback and you got to get weapons. Um, I think, you know, just going with the offensive line is almost like a, an afterthought now, as opposed to, you know, all right, we're going to draft high in the offensive line. I mean, look at it. Um, Joe Burrows, he and his wide receivers are, have made such an impact on the NFL now that I think a lot of teams are going to go in that direction. I mean, a lot of them, you know, they should have got somebody to protect him. That way he wouldn't have gotten sacked, what, 12 times in the, in the playoffs? You're not supposed to win with that type of, with those type of numbers. To get hit that much and yeah, sacked that much, sacked you're not supposed nine to win. times against Tennessee and seven times against uh, the Rams. And oh, they were still sixteen. Yeah, see, <laughs> they were still one field goal away from. And hey, if they convert that fourth and one, they're probably going to win that game. There's no question they'd have won that game. So yeah, it has transitioned from offensive line plates are now explosive weapons. You know, I mean, everybody's trying to follow suit now and, and, and get those type of players. So it's almost like, you know, Andy Reid has changed his philosophy, and I think people start to look at that and go in the same direction. All right. Uh, I want to say with the offensive line, Barry, but make it a little bit more narrow focus. Talk about an individual. Uh, your experience, and again, a couple years removed, players getting ready for the 2022 season might not be exactly the same as when Barrett Brooks was doing it, but you had an off-season calendar. Season ends, Barrett Brooks kicks back, relaxes, doesn't get together with Bernard Williams, but does let some steam (laughs) off. Uh, And then at some point, you start to get ready for the next season, and you do what you've got to do, working out, uh, weightlifting, whatever your off-season routine is, you get it underway, you implement it, you take it all away till OTAs into camp and the entire next season. Can we learn anything from what Jason Kelsey is doing today? If we had a spy at Jason Kelsey's house and we could figure out what he was doing today, we're three weeks away from the beginning of the NFL yearly calendar. Most people believe Jason will let the Eagles know whether he is planning on coming back or not. He won't do them dirty and make them wait and think and wonder. He'll be very upfront with them and tell them what he's going to do. How do we find out by Jason Kelsey's actions 
if he's leaning toward playing or leaning toward coming back. When was your offseason officially back on that you said, all right, I got to start to think about football again, work it out mentally, whatever it needed to get ready for the next season? Do you remember what your offseason calendar was like? Uh, you know, for the first two months, it's two weeks on. So, I mean, I, I, first two weeks I would take off. But then after that, I'll go two weeks on, one week off, two weeks on, one week off until we got to uh, until we got the free agency. And when free agency opened up, that's when you really start running and, and getting in shape because then you're going out and you're you're um, you're interviewing for other teams. He's not doing that, so he'll go. He'll probably do the same thing. Two weeks on, one week off. Two weeks on, one week off until he gets to right around um, the time that uh, you know OTAs start. Then he'll start working out every single day, get his body in optimum shape. He's not one of those guys that's not going to work out. He'll always work out because he knows he'll get smaller. You know, he's in a he's in a different um, – um, he has a different framework of his body. Like, if he stops working out, he's going to drop weight. Most guys, when they stop working out, they gain weight. Well, he'll drop weight. So he has to consistently go out there and make sure he's lifting as much as he can and keeping his size up, keeping his ball, keeping his muscle mass up. And that's a you know, and that's that's it's kind of a good you know problem to have that he has to work so hard to keep weight on. Me, I see food, and, 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 <laughs> and, and you know I gain weight, but you know he he'll lose weight before he, um, if he stops uh, working out. So he'll stay and work a hard, lot harder than most guys in off season. I see Kels is a guy. He's going he's gonna bring he's gonna bring it back one more year. Uh, he he thinks this year was a was a year that you know he the team itself didn't go out there and play up to the optimum. Ability, so I think he will make sure that he comes back and plays. All right, Barrett, let's talk about the draft. We're starting that process with the combine. Don't necessarily want individual players because nobody knows yet, and the Eagles are just starting their due diligence. But this is one of the more important drafts, really, in franchise history 15, Absolutely. 16, 19, three first round picks. I just talked about it. Look, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside in 2019 didn't work. Jalen Rager 2020 didn't work. Devontae Smith, it did work. You need multiple playmakers. Does this team have multiple playmakers? If you got the green-colored 10 at America's Best, maybe Quez Watkins is a playmaker. He's not T. Higgins. Right, right. We uh, don't have an explosive player right now. Now, they don't have, you know, Greg Ward isn't Tyler Boyd. They got Dallas Goddard and Devontae Smith. Are we going a four straight year to try to get a playmaker at one at some point with one of these three first round picks? I I, I would think so. Uh, I think they are going to go out there and get them a wide receiver. Um, you know, and it might be the last pick in the. And you know, if we if they're going to spend all three picks in this draft, I think it'll be their last pick. Uh, was it pick number uh, nineteen? Nineteen. I think they will go out there and get them a, a playmaking wide receiver and there's a lot of guys you can go to i mean even a guy like jameson williams even though he's hurt i mean that's an explosive type of player that's the player that we need to go out there and get you know remember drake from uh usc you know a big six foot five uh mike evans type of player but they're definitely gonna have to need a wide receiver the biggest need that they have they're gonna have to get a, a pass rusher you know whether it's johnson from florida state or ojabo from 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 michigan they have to get somebody that can heat up that uh, heat up the quarterback. You know, they just don't have it right now uh, on a consistent basis. You know, what if we had 
a double-digit sack guy. When was the last time we had a double-digit sack guy? What was it uh, Fletcher Cox three years ago? So, yeah, it's you know, been a while. Yeah, so we need a double sack guy. You know, we got to go out there and and get a double digit. So we have to draft high with that. And I wouldn't mind if they got two guys. You know, as far as rushing the passer. You know, I mean, I would say spending that draft capital on the guy that can rush the pass and create pressure is definitely what they need to do. And then I'll have my dream, my dream pick, you know, and I, you know, and I, I must be out kicking it with Bernard Williams when I say this because they're not going to do it. But, uh, you know, I think I'll say we're going to get a linebacker. We should get a linebacker. But, hey, I mean, I'm up in smoke for thinking of that. You know, they're just not going to do it. They need to. Dean will be there, you know, but – I doubt seriously if they do it, but they need a guy in the middle that, you know, you fear. I keep telling people all the time, when you look across the line of scrimmage and you see a guy, you know, like Ray Lewis, knowing that you have to get to him or he's going to wreak havoc and bust it up, you're just not going to, um, you know, you're just not going to have an offensive line fear of the guys that we have. If we get a guy like that, it makes things totally different. Ask Dallas. They got that for him, and what happened? He's a game changer. We need that type of game changer in the middle of the defense. That's Howie Roseman's worst fear. N'Kobe Dean is available when the Eagles get on the clock. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's going to be a problem, Barrett, if it gets to that. All right, I'm going to go uh, prior to the draft. Free agency. A hypothetical for you. Two guys who I like that are going to be very highly rated, very highly pursued, pretty damn highly paid at positions where we both agree the Eagles could use an upgrade. Sounds like a, a law firm, but it's not. Williams and Williams. Mike at wide receiver, Marcus at safety. Mm. I'll take I'll take both, right. but I want one of the two at one of those two positions. I'm going to make you Howie Roseman. You're going to pursue one of these two guys. Maybe you got to pick the one you're going to pursue harder and give a little bit more effort, maybe a little bit more money to make sure you get one of the two. But you pick whichever the two you think is more important. Or do you decide, I need to get the guy that I can sell? And if you're Howie Roseman, how do you sell your offense? How do you convince Mike Williams, you want to come here, play across from Devontae Smith? How do you go about selling that? Because NFL free agency is in part recruiting. A lot of it has to do with this. But recruiting is part of it, too. How do you sell Marcus Williams, the outstanding safety from New Orleans who Last time they went down to New Orleans to get a safety, it worked out pretty well in Malcolm Jenkins. Which is the easier sell? Join the Eagle offense or join the Eagle defense? I think joining the, the Eagle defense will be an easier sell, um, you know, because they can make you a focal point, and that's that's exactly what they would sell them on, a focal point in that defense, a guy that can come in. You know, we, we had Malcolm here. You see what he's done. You played with Malcolm last year, um, and, and, and we'll put you in position, you know, you'll be a great player. And I think that's, you know, I, I think that if you have a safety like that in the system that Gannon has, Gannon has had that guy when he was with Minnesota. You know, he had a guy that he can go out there and, and, and Harrison Smith that made things happen, who could be that, that you know, center fielder and, and, and go out there and have production. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing. They could see him doing that. And that's how I would sell it. You saw what I did with, with, with uh, um, Harrison, you know, Harrison. You seen I made Smith a, a a Pro Bowl player. I can do the same thing for you. I can put you in a position where you'll be the guy in this defense, and that'll be the easiest thing I think. You know, but I'm I'm, I'm gonna give you guys this. I'm saying we go out there and be uh you know and and, and go in and and free agency and just ravage the Dallas Cowboys. Take all yeah. their free agents. Michael Gallup, take them yeah, exactly. Corn there is Salah Cap Hell. Yeah. yeah. 
they're in, they're inside of cap hell. Yeah. And you look at the guys that they have that are going to be free agency. You know, Randy Gregory, free agent. Somebody that can rush the pass who can give you 10 sacks. And, a proven and, rusher. And everybody can have some fun with Randy Gregory. Exactly. If, if yeah. <laughs> or or you go to uh, Leighton Van Der Esch. I loved him when he was coming out the draft yeah. out of Boise State. Van Der, you know, um, a guy that we, you know, nobody's really talking about who played well at the end of the season. I actually played with his pops is uh, Cedric Wilson. I played with his pops with the Steelers. We won a Super Bowl. Yeah, I like Cedric. Cedric. Yeah, good slot receiver, Cedric exactly. Wilson. You know, yeah. so those are guys that let's just go ravage the Cowboys, take all their players that they don't need right now and, and keep them in salary cap hell. We become a better team because we took from them and they yeah. stayed in the and, division. And I have an innate hatred for Dallas, too. That's what I'm. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Barrett, NBC Sports, Billy. Everybody knows Barrett Brooks. Uh, follow him on Twitter at bbrooks72 NBCS. That's too long, by the way, Barrett. <laughs> it is. Uh, but... <laughs> yeah, but you got to do it. I get yeah. <laughs> it. Um, I, I got a fun one to end it for you in the fact that uh, I've always wondered this, and you've got something that I don't have. You have many things, but one of them <laughs> is you're a two-time Emmy Award winner. Why aren't yes. the Emmys in your background? Like Doug uh, Peterson. Why don't you flex and put the Emmy in, in your Zoom background? You know what I, I I started to I did earlier and um, <laughs> they put me down in the cellar and they keep the they keep the enemies in the in the um and we call it the sitting room but it's like the living room that people can go in. We got the living room you can't go in and we got the living room everybody watches TV in. They're in the living room you can't go in. So nobody ever sees them because you I can't go you. in there anyway. I got you. But yeah, I that's that's what's going on. I'm 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 in the cellar, you know, in the basement. You know, they just put me in. Let me come down. You, you go downstairs and talk. We don't want to talk. You go downstairs and talk. <laughs> The people down there, so that's what it is. All right, Barrett. Last one from me. Will you later in the day be talking Joaquin Neiman? Joaquin Neiman. Call me yeah, call Joaquin because you're going to be working with Harry Mays, Mister Golf, and he won the Genesis Open this week. Oh, there we PGA go. Yeah. That's well, why is yeah. is Harry going to subject you to golf talk later on today? Well, I'm going to tell you this: Harry is off for the week. Oh, he gave me the boot. He's off for the week. He's down in Florida right now playing golf as we speak. In uh, fact, when he's off, he's off, off because he's not even going to check in or anything. He is off. He, I might not even get a text from Harry. Phone, <laughs> phone is off. Yeah, that, that's that's the right way to do it, Harry. Good, Mays. good for uh, Harry. We, I off, didn't off. even know we were going to pimp him and not even score any yeah. points with it. That he's not paying attention. I love uh, Jody brought up Joaquin Demon. It, it, it was a blank face on both me and Barrett. Right. Like, what the hell is this guy talking about? I've never heard guy. of that player. I, I'm a quasi golf guy, not as big a geek as Harry is, but I'm a quasi golf guy, and I did watch Neiman win yesterday. Oh, okay, uh, Barrett. Uh, so you going solo, or somebody else hopping in with you? Who's hopping in with you in the middle today? You know what? Um, I think we gonna have you know big big um um was not Joaquin Neiman. Somebody no, else. No, 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 Dan no. Silio. We got big, big seals. seals. Yeah, yeah I, I don't like to call him big seals, and I was like, what? Dan. Big Seals. Okay, I'll give it Big Seals. Big Seals is coming up with uh, Barrett later on today. Uh, Double B, always a pleasure, brother. Appreciate you hopping on. We'll get you on uh, prior to the draft, probably when free agency starts. Thanks for jumping we in. Gonna, we we got to talk we, before even the draft. We got to talk about this, uh, you know, everything that's come up as far as free agency, man. So this could be oh, a yeah. big free agency period. You know, they have money to spend now. This will be a big free agency period for the Eagles also. You got that right. Barrett, always a pleasure. Barrett, All right, guys,
on Birds 365. All right, we'll come back, put a bow on the show. Time is running nigh here on Birds 365. Go for the midnight dares. Go for the memories. Go for the view that goes on forever. Go for the bubbles in your bathtub and in your drink. Go to bed whenever you want. Or don't. Go for him. Go for her. Go for the wind. Go to Ocean Casino Resort. Book your trip at theoceanac.com. At Stateside Vodka, every new customer gets the world's best rocks glass. Free. What's that? Uh, a rocks glass? You're telling me that bottle is cut in half? You could say that. And you're telling me I can get one of these glasses for free? That's right. One free rocks glass per customer with each first-time purchase of Stateside Vodka. So good, it just disappears. Imagine for a moment that you went to work today, and when you came home, you were catastrophically injured. Your life and your family's life. That's what happened to union construction worker Mike Little. I was scared of what the end was going to be, but to be 100% honest with you, I knew I was going to be all right just by talking with Brian in my heart. I just knew everything was going to be all right. Call the firm and find out why they say, we got this. Call 215-458-2222. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank. Johnny Mac, Johnny Mac. Mac doing the first 365 thing. Got to thank both our buds. Uh, Barrett Brooks, and G. Cobb, two former Philadelphia Eagles, good enough to hop on board with us today. One a combine kid, the other one not. Yeah, we busted G. Chops a little bit. Hey, if you if you tuned in during the show, you got to go back and watch when we had G. Cobb on earlier th- today. He was great. And yes, we got to bust it Chops a little bit about being older than both McMullen and McDonald. Now, neither one of us are millennials. Uh, we appreciate our millennials. We're just not one of them. Uh, T-Cobb's even older than both of us. So anytime we get somebody older... Well, he looks that, better, so that's all that matters. That's not saying much for either one of us. But yeah. uh, uh, T-Cobb, uh, always good, always fun to have on, uh, and a, a really good dude as well. All right, Macman. later on in the week, uh, you're going to get your boy Seal Kapati up. We have had Seal on forever, it seems like. 
Yeah, she'll uh, obviously does national work now for the athletics. So still de delves in with Zach and, and Bo a little bit with the Eagle stuff, but mainly national. So uh, he's he's from that perspective. So we'll get a good take. That'll be Wednesday uh, on the show. We can ask him uh, not just Eagles questions, but all what's going on in the NFL. There's a lot as, as typically. And this is going to be one of the better – most interesting, uh, I will say, quarterback carousels in recent history because there's so many potential options. They're probably not all going to come to the forefront because it's only 32 teams. I mean, but if everybody, they're speculating, if Rodgers moves, if Wilson moves, if Garoppolo moves, if Cousins moves, if Carr moves, then you don't even get into the, the, um, the draft guys and, and, and there's going to be at least three first round picks, I would say Jody. And you know how those guys tend to get pushed up the board. A lot of quarterback movement this off season could be historic. It'll yeah, probably fizzle out. Here's the thing that people underestimate and under talk about when we talk about quarterback movement. If Russell Wilson leaves Seattle, he's going to go somewhere else. And then, Oh, that team's out of the quarterback mix. But Seattle jumps into the quarterback yeah, mix. exactly. Every time someone moves, there's an opening somewhere else. Yeah. So, again, do you have enough pieces to fit a 32-piece puzzle? That's what we got to try and figure out. That's where the draft comes in. That's where these guys get pushed up the board because we're a little short on the number 32 as of right now. Some people think Philadelphia has a quarterback opening. When they've got the quarterback, the DNFL just.com just ranked at number 17. That's just the start of the second half. That's a half of the league you got yet to go. If you don't think Jalen Hurts is a starting quarterback in the league, well, then who the hell are those 32 guys? It'll be very interesting the way it plays out the entire offseason. I put a good show today. I say we do it again tomorrow. You up for it? Let's do it. We will do just that. Right back here on Birds 365 and 2 and 2. If you missed any of today's show on the Jacob Media channel, listen to the podcast on your way home. Available on YouTube, Apple, and Spotify. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today. And view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money.